Hey listeners, Luna here. We hope everyone is staying safe and inside, and we want to give a massive shout out to all the people out there who are still having to go into work. You are in our thoughts during these very uncertain times. If you are home and needing something to do, uh, feel free to go back and listen to our older episodes. We will continue to upload new episodes as planned until further notice. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy the show. Media Podcast. Disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in the show do not necessarily reflect those of Shway Media or any subsidiaries. The program may contain strong language not suitable for young audiences. Series discussions will contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Enjoy the show! Welcome to Dubterfuge. I'm Matt. I'm Luna. Happy quarantine. Yay. Um, and uh, my, my brain has just been like functioning at like half its capacity because I, I work in the medical field and shit is bananas right now. Yeah, I work in a I work in a pharmacy and it it's if your shit is even like your shit doesn't even compare to mine. It mine's like a fraction of what you're going through. Yeah, it it's nuts. So we thought we'd do a really lighthearted show. Yeah, it's something light and fun and uplifting and, and happy. And no and no violence at all. Nothing, just hugs and positivity. Just rainbows and kittens and sprinkles of magic. Trick, we're doing Black Lagoon. Yeah, just psych. Um, yeah, we we are doing Black Lagoon, which is a 2010-ish um, anime by Studio Madhouse. One of my favorites. And also features probably my favorite character, like, ever. And that is Rebecca Revy Lee. Excuse me. Rebecca Revy Two Hands Lee. Um, anyway, this is uh, based on the manga by Rehiroe. Um... It's it's just nuts. Um, I have, I think, pretty much all of the manga. Um, I highly recommend reading the manga because the manga is fucking great. As well as the show, which is also really fucking great. Uh, lots of action, lots of swearing, lots of explosions. Um, yeah, it's an all-around really great time, which we will get into. But first, some news... Um, Crunchyroll has announced its new seasonals, uh, for spring. Um, so first off we have Tower of God, which is a manhua, meaning it's uh, based on a, a Korean manga. Um, and it's about a boy who enters a mysterious tower and must face the challenges each floor brings. And um, the part about that that I'm most psyched for is uh, Kevin I think Kevin Pankin, the guy who did the soundtrack for Made in Abyss, 
is working on it for that, so mm-hmm. you know it's going to be banging. Mm-hmm. And then I mentioned this uh, last episode slightly, but um, the eighth son, are you kidding me? Um, yeah, it's another isekai. A salaryman wakes up inside the body of a young boy. Um, will his newly discovered powers bring him fortune or misfortune? Please have an alphabet. Please have an alphabet. I I have the itch and it's been too long and I like start to get twitchy and I need my cryptography fix. Uh, next up we have my life as a villainous. All roots lead to doom. Um, so this is an anime by Silverlink, uh, about an otome game loving girl who gets reincarnated into her favorite game, but as the villain, now she has to avoid all of the bad endings. I'm glad the East, I'm glad Isekai's not dead. After this season, I thought they were like on their way out, but then we get a bunch of these and it's just a good feeling. But this is like a whole new level of like trapped in a game. Yeah, though they go from like let's they go from just playing the game to trapped in the game. And then we have the Woodpecker Detectives Office by Leiden Films. Uh, in 1909, a poet starts a detective agency to support his family and begins investigating a series of ghost appearances. Do 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 do. Um, and much much more to come. So, looking forward to that. Um, and also as of, as of right now, um, Funimation has put a delay on their simuldub productions, meaning, um, they're kind of trying to shift to a lot of their actors working from home. Which honestly, um, I'm really curious to see like the logistics stuff because they're going to, cause I know like studio quality at home, like no offense to anyone, it, it varies from anywhere from like jerry like jerry rigged to complete like booth so I'll, i'm just interested to see how that's gonna work oh. i mean I, I i trust that the quality will will be you know serviceable i mean these are all these are all professionals I, I'm and not... i trust their experience and i trust that they will make do with what they have to I, i'm not doubting them at all it, i'm just the logistics are what interest me in here. Well, we we shall see what what is to come. Um, but yeah, that just means that um, I think it will impact a lot of like the same day dubs, and then um, so a bunch of titles might have like a couple weeks in delay uh, between their episodes. Um. So anyway, speak, sp- speaking of seasonals really quick, I just finished all of It Invaded. Um, I'm waiting I, for the dub, so but go ahead. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't fucking take it anymore because I, I figured the dub was going to come out in like the next like four or five weeks. And I was like, nah, fuck that. Um, I just I had to know what was going to happen. Holy shit balls. <laughs> Um, yeah, this is easily one of my favorite shows of the season for a reason. Yes, that rhymed. Um, oh my god. Yeah, I, I cannot say enough great things about this show. It's it's so good. It's so good. It's Inception meets the cell, and it's so, so good. 
And like the music in that show is just so it banging. Is. Like it was so good. Like Haley from Haley from Funimation's social team had to do like at least two articles about it, and it was so. And it's it it's worth at least two articles. Oh, for sure. Um, let's see anything else about seasonals. Oh, um, keep your hands off Azo Ken just wrapped with their last episode. Um, yeah, that series is just a wild ride, and I'm so glad that I was along for it. I'm, um, for in terms of the new stuff coming, I'm most excited for the and I'm gonna and I'm blanking on the name. Um, the race across America one that uh, a Barre Raman. Barre Raman, yes, a, a Barre Raman. Um, Barre Raman by uh, PA Works. That like is one. The visuals are just stunning. Like, if you haven't it, seen the PV yet, go watch it. It's awesome. Imagine anime with just like a slight. Imagine like a PA Works thing with just like a drop of Don Bluth and Ghibli mixed in. And it's just beautiful. Yeah, it's it's like it's like it's almost like wacky races, but like that's honestly that's what that's what Kyle and I were saying. It like looked like because it's like anime wacky races. I'm I'm expecting like a turtle shell to go flying at some point in that show. Oh God! If it's if it's a, if it's a blue shell, we're all in trouble. So what show? If it's a blue shell, we are all. Oh in yeah, trouble. we're screwed. We're screwed. Yeah, I'm um, really, really excited for that one. Um, yeah, that that that's gonna be fun as fuck. And thank God Funimation got it. Yes. Like I was so happy. Uh, speaking that- of Funimation too, I just got a bunch of Blu-rays in that I had pre-ordered, so I have to dig through those. I got. I, I'll have to go and get them at some point, but. Um, like to go through everything, but I believe um I got let's see, I definitely got um I'm waiting on uh Fire Force and a couple others. Yeah. But I but with the current quarantine I doubt I'm gonna not I'm I doubt I'll see them anytime soon. So like Alright, I got oh sorry. So like a few months from now I'm just gonna have this like deluge of anime come in with like a sudden dent in my bank account. It's going to be funsies. Okay, I got Psychopaths, uh, the complete collection. Um, now I finally have it on Blu-ray. Cool. I um, own both seasons I got, eventually. I got Real Life plus the OVAs. Cool. Um, I got Code Code, Code Geass, the complete series, and then Akito the Exiles. And then I got One Piece Film Gold. Mainly because it's just a really oh, fun movie. Nice. And I really, really, really like the opening song because it is catchy as hell. It is. The Tessoto. The most <laughs> recent pre-order I got was uh, <laughs> One Piece uh, Stampede, <laughs> which is also insane and a wild ride. And then the last thing I got is something that I've been looking forward to watching for a really long time, and that is Fujiko's Lie. Yes. I got I um, I pre-ordered that too, and I got it a couple weeks back. It is stunning. Holy crap! Um, I've seen it in Japanese. I'm just waiting um, for like now. I can finally watch the goddamn dub. I'll, and then also, I, I am ad- also waiting to get my hands on uh, Goemon's blood spray. I will admit, like, just I'm not criticizing. Just 
just saying uh it's a i was i'm used to the cast of, of lupon from like the tsunami from like the parts one through five so the different voices took me out of it like a little bit at first but then i just but i just sort of got like used to it a little further in that was like that's like my one minor ish inconsequential thing with it which which ones are different all of them really like even like michelle ruff and um christina v is fujiko in this one Ooh. she actually does a and pretty then, good she actually does a pretty good match like and she, then who like, is um lupon because usually it's um tony oliver yeah it's they have a completely new cast hang on um well while matt's looking that up i'm just gonna go back and gush about Aza ken really quick um like seriously though like <laughs> if you are passionate about animation if you are a fan of animation in general please give this show a chance because it is gorgeous and it is full of so much passion and i can tell like not just masaki yuasa but like his like team at science sadu have like injected all of their love and passion into this show and you can clearly tell like they love what they do and it's just beautiful so that, that's just me gushing on this show for a minute. Um, I cannot say enough great things about it. Apparently, they're making a live action version out of it. And I'm not really sure why. Because it's like there are certain shows that could translate to live action, like the show we're about to talk about. But there are certain shows that are just a little bit that just work so perfectly animated. I'm not sure why they would bother putting it in live action, just kind of making things harder for themselves. Okay. I have the cast uh, up. Uh, Christina V. Oh, Tony Oliver directed it. Uh-huh. Uh, Christina V is Fujiko. Okay. Um, Billy Kometz, uh, who, who uh, is now Fumi uh, in Shield Hero, is uh, Binkum. Uh, Dan Warren is Daisuke. Uh, mm-hmm. Danny Katiana is Codfrey. Erica Harlacker is Jean. Uh, and funny you mentioned film Gold. Keith Silverstein is Lupin. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, and then um, and then yep, and other the other minor roles are done by Ben Lepley, Bill Millsap, D.W. McMahon, Jake Eberly. Caitlin Galtz, Laura Stahl, who also did the scripts, and then Matthew David Rudd. Cool. All right, so if that's, I think we're done with the news for now. We're talking um, about Black Lagoon this now, aren't we? Not Fujiko. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We should probably get into uh, get into what we're what we're meant to talk about, which is one of my favorite shows, like pretty much ever. Um, Black Lagoon. <laughs> So, um, some of my notes just have a bunch of like memorable quotes and then a little bit of notes about the OVA, Roberta's blood trail and how there's like, there's like a bunch of differences from the anime and the manga. Um, and then stuff about the soundtrack and the weird, 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 weird thing that happens at the end of the OVA that we will get to. Yeah, the OVA is it. just thought-provoking, to say the least. 
Uh, but there's a couple things at the end that are just like, ugh. But we will get to that. Anyway. Yeah, there were a couple of odd things. But... Anyway. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. Uh, this show takes place in a fictionalized version of a port city just off the coast of Thailand in the South China Sea that is pretty much, like, overrun with, like, criminals and criminal activity. Imagine, um, like, Tortuga, but modern and in modern in Thailand and with far more guns. Pretty much. So it, it follows the Lagoon Company, uh, which are um, like a mercenary FedEx crew, <laughs> essentially. I like that. The chief operator is Dutch, who um, I think... He was an African-American um, who is, like, kind of, like, their... Um, de facto leader. Yeah, he's, like, their de facto leader. He may or may not be former U.S. Navy um, slash, like, captain. Um, and he also may not be, may or may not have fought in the Vietnam War. That's kind of left up in the air. He likes to sort um, of just be cool about his past and not talk about it, which makes him even cooler. Yeah. Yeah, um, there's 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 a lot more stuff in the manga that kind of touches on that. They kind of leave a lot of that stuff out of the anime. But anyway, he's he's super like he's he's chill, but like you do not want to fuck with this guy. True. Um, like at all. I was actually thinking like if they made a live action version, like who would I cast as everyone? Um. And it was actually a lot harder to to like than I than I than I thought it would be. Like I'm still kind of like I don't know who I would cast as everybody. I, but anyway, honestly, if I'm I'm looking at the actor who played uh, who played him, and you could just cast the act the 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 voice actor. Honestly, like they he could do it. Dean Redman, just, mm -hmm. like, same height and build, pretty much. So, our second in command, not really, <laughs> um, of, of the Lincoln Company is my favorite fucking character, and that is Benny. Rebecca Revy, two hands, Lee. She is, like, the muscle. We'll get, we'll, we'll, we'll get to Benny in a sec. Yes. Um, so... She is Chinese American, and um, she has like kind of like a slightly deeper complexion, and she's got like a tattoo that runs from like like I want to say like mid sleeve, so like shoulder to about like three quarter length sleeve to like around her shoulder and a little bit below her collarbone. Um, she usually typically wears like a tank top and like cut off like Daisy Dukes. And two uh, guns uh, strapped to her side. Um, she is a no-nonsense, like, mouth like a fucking sailor. Very quick-tempered and very rash. And will not hesitate to fight someone. Um, and I fucking love her. <laughs> Like, They're... I love her so much. She's such a badass. She's fucking crazy. 
I love her. I, I love just how, like, anything she says just gives off the vibe of, I would rather be fucking anywhere else but here right now. I'd rather be taking a shit in a swamp right now than than do whatever we're doing. It's not so much that. Like, she actually really loves her job. It's more or less, like, why do I have to put up with you people kind of thing. Yeah. Still, I just um, love... The vi- that vibe she gives off of just like fuck this whole thing um let's see like so according to her character description Rivi is a merciless and sadistic killer without a conscience who will be more than ready to kill anyone with the slightest provocation she she takes maniacal glee in fighting just about anybody for fun um she also has very little remorse for her enemies and has many times often um tried to like to like show up her opponents uh just to see like how they are in like a combat sort of situation um now there's a little bit more to her backstory that they kind of delve into the manga not so much in the anime um they actually leave out a good bit of her backstory in the anime um but in in the manga like it's revealed she had a pretty fucked up past yeah, they show bits and pieces of her past and even just, like, those quick glimpses, like, just tell you, holy shit. Like, there were just some really just yeah, cringy things that happened to her. Like, no. We'll just leave it at that. It is... We swear, but this stuff is just not nice to talk about. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty dark. And you can kind of see how she ended up in Roanapur. Um, and then... Our other member of the crew is Benny, who is, like, kind of, like, their resident, like, um, I don't even know what he does. <laughs> well, he, okay, IT, no. driving. Yeah. He's kind of, like, their IT slash, like, boat captain slash, He's their command like, center guy. Yeah, and, and, fun fact, is a Jew. Really? He's Mishpocha? He literally fucking, he literally fucking says it in, like, the... In like the third or fourth episode, where they go hunting for that for that sunken ship, I do not remember that. But and okay. then like and then like Dutch talks to him, and he's like, "Yo, like, like my he's he's like, yeah, I'm Jewish. My like my whole motto is like kill Nazis. Like, what are you talking about? Oh, okay, I remember the Nazi part now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a really weird storyline because like Rock was almost like kind of feeling bad for them, and part of me was like, who? cares they're nazis but yeah. anyway more on that in a minute because i forgot it's... to talk about our main character which is rock yes um so his real name is rokuro okajima um and he was a salary man who basically got marooned on board uh on on board the lagoon the, the lagoon company ship and pretty much like basically like a deal that kind of went bad and they kind of his company basically just like sold him out it was just like fuck it fuck it i'm a pirate now like yeah they're just like fuck it we don't we don't care if he's collateral like whatever so he's just like fuck you (laughs) like you literally just left me here to die um but then at the end of the first episode he actually so revenue's just straight up ready to like kill him at one point, um, because she's just like, whatever. But then he actually proves himself to be, like, useful. 
um, and he helps them evade this, like, these, um, like, fighter jets that are trying to, like, follow them and kill them. Um, and he helps them, like, sort of, like, evade danger, and they use their rocket, and then says, uh, again, one of the most, like, famous lines in the show, um, when they finally ambush, like, the helicopter that's trying to chase them, and says, yeah, you got fucked. <laughs> But he goes, yeah, you got fucked. Honestly, Rock has to be some of the best slow burn character developments in oh, yeah. like anime ever. Because he goes, you go, you, he goes from just this like innocent, not like carefree, but just like innocent, ignorant salary man to just this fucking shaded. I don't want to say asshole, but he gets like dark jaded and just bitter like rowana per like infects him and changes him and you get to see that happen slowly over the course of these two seasons and it is just brilliant character development yeah it gets a little bit worse in the manga especially after um roberto's blood trail aka a baile de muerte it gets Um, especially fucked up in the in the yeah in the, uh, no, it, like even worse after that, and then like Revy has to like do some shit. But even anyway, more fucked up that's... than how he is in, in the OVA. Oh yeah, like it's it. But anyway, I don't want to get in. That's like major fucking spoilers. I don't want to get into that. Read the manga is basically what I'm saying because it's fucking great. I'm gonna have to. Yeah, like seriously, um, a lot of people try to ship him and Revy. I can um, see it. They work I well do, together. That's and why I don't. People... Like, I do and I don't. Again, it, you'll understand more if you read the manga, just based on, like, both of their personalities. They would be, um, like, one of those couples who's constantly at odds, but somehow makes it work. I would say if either of them were in the slightest bit more normal, then maybe. Mm-hmm. Like, but if they actually had of, happy, loving upbringings? Yeah, but because of the way they are, probably not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Oh, well. Anyway, um, some other memorable memorable quotes of mine. Um, uh, one, is from, one is from Dutch, which is, as an employer, I worry about human relations. Um, when they're looking up the schematic of that Nazi submarine that sank, it literally, I swear to fucking God, at the bottom of the schematic, it literally says, Fuck Plan Von Schiff. I gotta, I gotta look that up now. No, I shit you not. And I laughed so fucking hard. Wow. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but I was laughing. So I swear to God, it says that. I'm not kidding. Maybe it was like an Easter egg or something that one of the animators put in. Uh, maybe. Maybe. But I, I, I swear to God. And then, like, another one, uh, my favorite line from Revy, I think it's in the episode after they, which we'll, we'll, we'll talk about in just a second, but, um, yeah, we'll circle back to this, but it's after the episode where they rescue, sort of, basically where they get involved with that money, um, um, with that cash processing center, with that, with that girl. Mm-hmm. Um, but Revy literally says like, Hey, maybe Aladdin will rub his magic dick for us. And then bam. 
Yeah, they did not uh, censor anything in this show. Like, Mm-mm. Mm. there was a ton of swearing in the show, and it's beautiful. Um, however, there are a couple of things in here, or in this mo- in, in the manga and in the anime that um, clearly have not aged well at all. Um, and there's a lot of really, really racist dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of like really like racist por- por- portrayals of certain characters like pretty much like Shinwa's entire portrayal is so fucking racist she's the that uh, assassin right yeah she's the Taiwanese assassin that has all the knives yeah she's, I... actually, she's actually one of my favorite characters like she's a badass but it's so fucking racist Trying to find who plays her. Um, I believe her name is Saffron Henderson. And she is a voice actor for the Ocean Group, or was a voice actor for the Ocean Group. Okay, let's talk about the actors here for a second, because a lot of them are actually, like, fairly prominent, like, in, uh... So this was dubbed by the Ocean Group, who were based out of Vancouver, Canada. And honestly, like, a lot of the act actors have done other prominent work, like, uh, like, honestly, uh... Like Barbie in My Little Pony. Yeah, like, uh, Garcia from the Lovelace family mm-hmm. uh, is voiced by Kathy Westlock, who you, who everyone, who others might best know as Spike from My Little Pony. And honestly, there is like no little to no difference between Garcia's voice and Spike's voice. So, just hearing ba- like what hearing what was like otherwise is a baby dragon just say all this dark shit is just the weirdest dissonance ever, and that just only made it better. Um, luckily, I've never seen MLP, so. I didn't have that sort of weird dissonance, but oh yeah, and and another one, um, Roberta, uh, ta- by, voiced by Tabitha Saint Germain. Tabitha Saint Germain, who honestly, her anime work is just brilliant. I've seen her in a couple other things too. Holy crap, that lady is talented. Um, yeah, she's done a lot. She of is anime. She's best known for just like for rarity in My Little Pony. So a lot of that, or uh, or another one, Sam Vincent, who. Uh, you watched Ed and Eddie. Oh, yeah. He was Double D. Mm-hmm. So, honestly, just the dissonance and contrast between, like, the dark shit here and then just some of the, like, light and fluffy characters that they played is just fun to fun to hear and watch. But, uh, shout out to Revy's voice actress, Marika Hendricks. Yes. Because uh, she is just fucking great. In, like, so many ways. Yes, she is. She deserves, like, all the Annie's for that role. Okay, so back to the show, which we should probably break up by arc. Personally, my favorite arc is the one with the Lovelace family. I just loved uh, the dynamics there, especially with, especially with... So that's La Baile de la Muerte. Well, actually, there's uh, two of them. There's one that shows up slightly in the beginning of the series, and then there's one that's in the OVA. So yeah, let's uh, let's talk about when Roberta first shows up. So, Roberta, aka Rosarita Cisneros, 
um, is a maid who worked for the Loveless family, uh, who were a wealthy family from Venezuela. Um, she's a pale-skinned woman with a waist-length dark purple hair, and she kind of wears this, like, typical, like, anime, like, maid outfit. They all do. Um, and, like, and, like, a long, like, cross necklace. Um, so, turns out, though, her real name, like, like I said earlier, is actually Rosarita Cisneros, and she is a former FARC-trained gorilla. Um... Says that she's Colombian. Yeah, she's she's a uh, well, duh, she's part of the FARC. But anyway, true. Um, but anyway, she's a former FARC FARC trained gorilla as an assassin in uh, Cuba, an internationally wanted criminal, and uh, even Balalaika is like a little bit afraid of, but we'll never admit it because she's fucking Balalaika. We will talk about Balalaika in a second. Really, the only person who's like. Chomping at the bit to just like throw down and fuck with her is Revy. Is Revy. And I think that's just because she doesn't know how truly dangerous she is. Oh, I think she does, but she likes it. True. Because because in Revy's mind, she's always trying to find someone who's like a worthy opponent. And finally, she found someone that she deems a worthy opponent. And True. She often refers so so. Roberta was known as the Bloodhound of Florencia due to her relentless drive to achieve her objectives. Um, Revy refers to her as that fucking glasses bitch. Um, A term of endearment, no doubt. As a FARC train gorilla, uh, Roberta has a pretty fucked up backstory. Um, Yeah. Like, she was like basically a tool for a bunch of like drug cartels and she killed a lot of innocent people. Um, and then, her like, methods are anywhere from murderous to seductive. Well, seductive then murderous. Well, okay. Maybe. Yeah. Seduct, seduct. I was talking like in spectrum, but yes, in sequence. Yeah. Yes. Seductive to murderous. Um, I so want then... that belt by the way. <laughs> the the belt that has the gun in it, yeah, that was pretty dope. Yeah, I'm thinking um, I don't, that's probably concealed carry, which might not be legal in most states, but still, that is cool as hell. I mean, the bullets must be know. hella expensive for that because you have to get those custom. Yeah, in in Texas and Florida, it's probably like yeah, whatever. It's anyway, pro- that's probably um, like every third person you see on the street. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you want a bucket of bullets? <laughs> Cool, 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 cool. Our country is broken. It's a Brooklyn Nine-Nine reference. Anyway, so eventually she left the FARC and joined up with um, the Loveless family who kind of like t- took her in as their as their maid. Um, and... Uh, oh, by the way, if you don't know what the, what the FARC is, uh, it stands for... Uh, the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia, aka the People's Army, and they are basically a, a guerrilla movement involved in the continuing Colombian armed conflict, which started like way back in the sixties. That's a whole other fucking rabbit hole, um, but that kind of gives you like a little bit of like background. But anyway, um, you know, she she kind of wanted to leave that life behind and become a maid. 
And she really grew attached to the Loveless family because essentially they kind of saved her life to an extent. And she's very, like, indebted to them. Um, and so um, eventually the young the, the young master is, I guess he gets kidnapped and he ends up with the Lagoon Company somehow. And so she goes down to Roanapur to retrieve him by any means necessary. And when I say by any means necessary, I legit fucking mean that. Also, I feel really bad for the guy that that owns that one bar that keeps getting shot up. I hope he has good insurance. I mean, I, I mean say. the premiums are going to be like through the roof after all this shit, but I hope his ins- I hope he has good insurance. Then again, it is fucking Ruanabor, so who knows? He would probably, like, take a gun and shake down whoever did that. Like, like yeah, I want a cut to cover the damages and then maybe a little extra. Yeah, man. <laughs> that poor bar. <laughs> I feel really, because, like, I, I feel bad for that guy, actually. I'm just a, a poor bar, so please stop shooting me. Because these premiums are, are so high, I don't want to die. Anyway. Bohemian Bar City. <sighs> anyway. Here's the link to my um, mixtape. <laughs> so another another player in all of this is the nun known as Edda. Um Holy shit, she is she is a character. Yeah, she's she's basically Revy's best friend. To an extent. She's the only one that she get that Revy gets along with cons- to any degree of consistency. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Etta is a nun, and I say that with very sarcastic quotations. She she's taken the vow and dresses up as such, but beyond that, um, uh-huh. yeah, she's Satan's nun, basically. She Etta is a very interesting character. Like, she's part of the church, but not really. She's part um, of it on paper. Yeah. And also, like, that 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 church, like, definitely runs a lot of, a lot of, like, bad, bad money. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, she's basically affiliated with the church. It's just called the church. My- and Sister Yolanda Rico. Um, so... Uh, she has ties to the underground since the co- since the convent is mainly a smuggling operation. Um, so she is a Caucasian woman who appears to be in like her late twenties or early thirties, blonde hair, blue eyes, and is always seen with angular pink sunglasses, even with her nun's habit. Um, Here's my headcanon about about the church and how they're still able to do this, like. I'm guessing the archdiocese of the archdiocese does not revoke their revoke their status just because they're too f- afraid of retaliation. Well, also she has ties to the CIA. True, but that's well, that's that. my theory. The archdiocese is just too scared and too smart not to not to do anything or say anything. I mean, I mean, she literally, like, it's literally revealed that she has ties to Langley, Virginia, which is the headquarters yeah. of the CIA. FBI. Oh, no, that's Quantico. No. FBI. You're, you're right, that's Quantico at Langley's for CIA. 
They're both in Virginia. Kind of. Well, 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 one is in D.C. at the J. Edgar Hoover building. I don't need your judgment. Quantico right is the training facility for the FBI. Close enough for government work. God, you clearly do not watch enough crime shows. I don't. There's literally, there's literally a show called FBI. Anyway. I watched uh, American uh, Dad and, and, an, and an episode of Billy and Mandy that told me about Quantico. Like, <laughs> you're such, such like, you know. Your disapproval only gives me strength. On that note, uh, let's take a really short break and we will come back and talk about... Um, Whatever the arc that comes after this. Oh, Hansel and Gretel and Balalaika. We'll talk about that when we come back. This episode is brought to you by Bruce and the Boys. So, what's your favorite American football team? Did you say the Dallas Cowboys? If you didn't, you're wrong. And if you're still saying, well, Tim, no, they're not my favorite team, well, let me recommend that you listen to the Bruise and the Boys podcast with Michael Sizemore and Tom Ryle of Blogging the Boys so that they can prove to you that your favorite team is indeed the Dallas Cowboys. Bruise and the Boys is your friendly neighborhood podcast that's a lot like going down to your friendly neighborhood bar and watching and talking about the game with your friends. Every week, Michael and Tom give an in-depth analysis about what the Cowboys have done, what they're doing, their player stats, player analysis, everything under the sun that you need to know about the Dallas Cowboys you can find from Michael Sizemore and Tom Ryle every week on the Bruising the Boys podcast on Blogging the Boys and the Vox Media Podcast Network. For more information and episodes, head on over to bruiseandtheboys.com. And now, back to the show. We're back. Hey. All right. So now we're going to talk about um, everyone's favorite brother and sister. And I say that with very, like, sarcastic quotations of uh, the nightmare twins the night the nightmare vampire twins known as hansel and gretel um are two like romanian twin orphans um who are basically turned into like fucking crazy assassins and this arc is really depressing and i hated it <laughs> Yeah, it, like, it's actually no, f- no. I didn't hate it as much as the last one we're gonna talk about. But anyway, it's just depressing because you know they're gonna have to like just they're gonna have to kill some kids. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, it's just like you can tell how it's gonna end, and it that just makes it more depressing. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of dressed in like a gothic Lolita style, of course, because anime. Um. Man, this whole thing was just so fucking sad. So basically, they're like, they're like, they were orphaned at a young age, then sold into the sex trade. 
into into basically like 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 child sex trafficking, which is really this... fucked up. Yeah. Um and like and so in order to find them though, like Balalaika literally has to like sit through like hours and hours of porn until she finds Gretel. Yeah, that was just the most interesting method to me. I mean, honest. I mean, that's. I mean, yeah, that's one way to like find them. But still, that the fact this that is she in had nineties. <laughs> the fact that she had to do that is just like just dis- disgusting, really. But yeah, it was just gross that she yeah. one had that much to watch and two had to watch it. Yeah. I mean, if anyone's gonna do it, it's gonna be Balalaika. Um, but anyway, um, so yeah, if you don't know who Balalaika is, Balalaika is a badass. Um, she is the head of Hotel Moscow. Um, and uh, she is a scary, tall Russian lady uh, with a huge ass scar. That runs, like, down the side of her face and smokes a lot of cigars. And um, she's voiced by Patricia Drake, who does a fucking phenomenal job, by the way. Um, she, uh, her, her, uh, her weapons of choice include a Dragunov sniper rifle and a Stetschkin APS. Um, so she, it's, it's, it's revealed in her backstory that she fought during the Afghan-Russian conflict. This is like in the late 80s, early 90s. That was a really messed up war. Um, so yeah, her real name is Sofia Pavlovina. Um, but that name is not used in her, like, like she, that name is pretty much like dead to her at, at this point. We just call her Balalaika. Um, she is the, she is the granddaughter of a Red Army general. Um, and I guess like her, her father, um, it's either like condemned by the USSR or like fled the country or whatever, but like, she 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 assumed captain of uh, like in in the Soviet army, um, and the reason that they call her Balalaika is basically because of the sniper rifle that they uh, the uh, Dragunov that she uses. Um, but yeah, she is not to be fucked with whatsoever. She. Um, She's, I'd say she is just as dangerous, if not more so, as Revy, but it, they have just different... She's way more dangerous oh, than yeah. Revy. They have, she has just different... They have different demeanors, which honestly set them up apart. Revy is ready to, like, just throw down and at the drop of a hat, while Balalaika is the cool, relaxed, te- tactical type, where, like, mm-hmm. if you see her, like... If you see her actually, like, raise her voice beyond just a really just sort of like a laid back kind of casual tone, you know, you fucked up. Like when she's going after one of the, I I think it's Hansel, but she literally just tells him point blank, like, I'm going to kill you now. (laughs) It's just like, yeah. 
she's done it so much that you that it's just a humdrum mundane thing to her that she can just say it so casually as just like are you ready to die little boy yeah like she's not to be fucking messed with so her organization is part of the russian mafia known as hotel moscow um they're composed of dedicated men all former red army paratroopers who served under Balalaika during the Soviet war in Afghanistan um, and the Bougainvillea trade company and the cargo ship, the Maria Zaletska um, serve as legal covers for their activities. Uh, Hotel Moscow also employs a group, a number of expechnas, which are like, you know, like specialized Russian trained mercenaries and airborne soldiers who act as a special ops team. Honestly, I think the, one of the coolest parts with her was seeing her uh, in her military uniform. I just thought she looked mm-hmm. really cool in that and just really com- like had that presence and energy with like a real commanding officer. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she's pretty fucking scary. Um, Rock almost gets his ass shot like so many fucking times from Bella like uh, and then like that's pretty much their entire dynamic is like Rock doing something fucking stupid and then Revy having to bail his ass out. Yeah. She reminds me a lot of um, Integra Fairbrook Helsing from uh, from Helsing and Helsing Ultimate. Just same cool, quiet energy, but could f- just fuck you up with a smile on her face, no quite and, and immediately no hesitation. Mm-hmm. The strong, quiet types are like are some of my favorite characters since they since they have to have a certain energy to them. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the probably okay. So actually, the twins arc uh, does not resolve very happy at all, but it does end with this really gorgeous song, um, which is performed by. Um, it's called "World of Midnight" by Minako Obata. Um, this song is fucking gorgeous. It's also really fucking sad. Um, but holy shit, it's so good. It's so fucking good. That that song really, really stood out to me. Honestly, it, I'm not saying the soundtrack was bad, but I'm I'm saying like I was sort of hoping that like the rest of this of the music would be as good. Again, not saying it's bad, but it that was like. Oh yeah, of- I didn't even mention this. The opening to this to this show is a banger. The end. Yeah. Like it's so, and it's sung in English. Yeah. Kind of. Um, but yeah, um, every so the the ending theme is kind of uh, boring. I like the ending theme song. of Roberta's Blood Trail just because, for some reason, there's some. Okay, it's because I like Johnny. I hardly knew you by the Dropkick Murphys. I just love John when Johnny comes marching home again because of that. It just like, it does it for me. I just, I always remember it as the ants come marching. <sighs> That's like saying oh, well. Simon and Garfunkel wrote Scarborough Fair. Fun fact, that song's in the public domain. Who taught you that? Wikipedia. And me? Actually, Wikipedia taught me first. Okay. <laughs> I, I wasn't, never mind. That's not the point. World End and Wikipedia tell me that that song's in the public domain. 
Anyway, on to my least favorite arc in the entire series, which is the Japan arc! With fucking Genji and the fucking... Ugh. I, I hated this whole arc. It's just so depressing, and it just makes me sad. I saw this really as just, like, a, t- a good point for Rock to, like, reflect and just sort of show, like, how much he's changed as a character, like, from, like, when he first started as the clueless salary man who sort of just got strung along with this to actually being part of Lagoon Company for a while and then coming home home and just seeing it differently as as than he would with how how much he's changed honestly Mm -hmm. that's the that's like the main that's the main point that i got from the japan arc it was like for it was for it was to show how much rock had developed as a character i mean yeah i guess that that's what stood out to me the most at least um interesting thing is in the dub um uh, when they're when they're in Japan, basically Rock acts as their translator um, for Balalaika, and and like Revy is basically like his his muscle, um, his bodyguard. That's or, what muscle means. I mean, that was what she was formerly hired as. That muscle means bodyguard. Okay, same fucking thing. God damn it. Um. Anyway, the point is, uh, what's, what's interesting about these scenes is they leave the Japanese track intact for Mr. Bondo for at least the scenes that Rock needs to be translating. And they actually have Brad Swale speaking Japanese and translating, which I thought was really fucking cool. Yeah, that's you don't see that very often in, in any dub from any uh, era. Uh, like the only other time, the only other one I can think where they did that is uh, Cross Ange, where the cast sang this sort of like lullaby enchantment magic song thing in Japanese. They didn't translate um, it. There was also a few moments in Steins Gate Zero where Monica Rial's character, I think, had to speak a little bit of Japanese because she was giving a presentation. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So yeah, that, those English voice actors speaking Japanese in an anime are few and far between. So that was, so it's kind of a big deal when it happens. And then, um, uh, in another anime called Hawk and Den, a dog to the East, um, uh, Juliet Simmons actually has to sing a little bit in Japanese for one character. And I think she actually speaks Japanese like fluently. Pretty sure so. she does. Anyway. Um, Okay, let's talk about Genji and the crime family and, oh God, that poor girl. Um, There are a couple of moments throughout the show where I kept waiting for characters. Okay, because my favorite trope, honestly, is characters who seem, like, really, like, meek and vulnerable and, like, end up being, like, super badass. And I just kept waiting for, like, that shoe to drop and then it never did and I was really disappointed. (laughs) Yeah, like, there was, I was like, "Bitch, you were a part of a crime family. What the fuck?" There oh, was wow. honestly, there was, there were times where there was like a lot of tension and build up for for nothing. Like, like you, like they just kept making you think shit's gonna go down any second now, and then it just like leveled out, and that was it. 
yeah, just this whole arc was just a mess <laughs> from the start. Yeah. Um, it, it is very much hinted that um, Yukio is in love with Genji. Um, so yeah, so th- this arc basically follows Yukio uh, Washimime, who is the last heir to the Washimime clan, which are basically a Yakuza family. Um, and then there's like a bunch of like violent uprising with like rival gangs, and then somehow Hotel Moscow is involved. And honestly, this whole part was just like really confusing and really violent, and. Um, also features um, this charm, you know, like this incredibly charming man named Chaka. I honestly really liked Genji's character. It sort of felt like he fit in better with Lagoon Company than the Washimine group. I thought like, ooh, maybe, thought maybe it'll be, it would be at the sort of thought like One Piece. Ooh, maybe he'll be the next to join the boat. But no. <laughs> <laughs> Although the fight at the end was pretty badass, like not yeah, that, gonna lie. It that reminded me of the big finale in Cowboy Bebop with mm-hmm. Spike and Vicious, where they where they where guns clashed with swords, like literally making contact with each other. Mm-hmm. That that had the same had the same energy, except the only difference is that Vicious had one sword and Genji had two. Or they were um, both dual wielding, rather. But yeah, mm-hmm. it was a really well choreographed fight. Like considering how like cumber, how like awkward the. Oh, fun fact: uh, Tetsuro Araki did some animation direction. Ooh. Um, I think I think he did the storyboards for. Um, I think I fucking told you that too. I'm pretty um, sure you did. But yeah, Tetsuro Araki worked on this show, which is pretty sweet. And if you don't know who that is, uh, he directed this, I don't know, these really obscure shows called High School of the Dead and Attack on Titan. Dude knows his fight scenes. So like, yeah, uh, it's pretty dope. Like you remember that, like you remember that scene in, in like the newest season of Attack on Titan where Levi basically flees on his eight. Uh, on his ODM gear and kills a bunch of people with it at the same time. That was Araki. In like the most seamless fluid motion. Are you talking about the time he like Beyblades himself? Beyblades, but then just also like treats this, his ODM cables like bullets and snipers people through the neck with them. Um, I think what he's most famously known for is High School of the Dead, where a bullet flies through... Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the famous boob shot. Oh, you mean the booby, the booby gun mount? Yeah. No, like where the bullet comes flying and it's like... Yeah, I, I know. I remember that one. <laughs> anyway. Um... Let's see, let's take a really short break and then we'll come back and talk about Roberta's Blood Trail. Yes! Uh, which is the five part OVA that is extremely long, but really good.
This episode is brought to you by Brews and the Boys. So, what's your favorite American football team? Did you say the Dallas Cowboys? If you didn't, you're wrong. And if you're still saying, well, Tim, no, they're not my favorite team, well, let me recommend that you listen to the Brews and the Boys podcast with Michael Sizemore and Tom Ryle of Blogging the Boys so that they can prove to you that your favorite team is indeed the Dallas Cowboys. Brews and the Boys is your friendly neighborhood podcast that's a lot like going down to your friendly neighborhood bar and watching and talking about the game with your friends. Every week, Michael and Tom give an in-depth analysis about what the Cowboys have done, what they're doing, their player stats, player analysis, everything under the sun that you need to know about the Dallas Cowboys you can find from Michael Sizemore and Tom Ryle every week on the Brews and the Boys podcast on Blogging the Boys and the Vox Media Podcast Network. For more information and episodes, head on over to brewsandtheboys.com. And now, back to the show. And we're back. So now we are talking about Robert's Blood Trail. Um which is the five-part OVA, which is based on the manga arc called La Baile, La Baile de la Muerte, or The Dance of Death. Um, once again, the, the fucking Loveless family, man, they just do not have the best luck. No, but their, their bad luck makes for some great storytelling. Um, so the head of the Loveless family, I think his name is... Diego Garcia. But anyway, he... Th- this whole story gets, like, really complicated, but essentially, like... He's 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 killed in, like, a bombing, and then, like, somehow the Americans get involved, and, like... It's just... It's just nuts. Yeah, the whole family is just... Eccentric, I guess, is the polite word. Well, I would say eccentric they just have a lot of like really we just see garcia and blood trail we just see garcia grow up super fast yeah pretty much yeah so basically for this um one of their maids roberta who we saw earlier at one of the guys who uh or one of the people who were was capable of pulling a man, a full-grown man, out of a moving vehicle with one hand. And just deciding, you know what? You get to live and setting him back in there. Okay, so basically after Roberto's former employer, Diego Loveless, dies in an explosion set by U.S. agents at an event um, of an emerging left-wing party in South America, she disappears to hunt down and kill the perpetrators. Um, and then somehow Garcia Loveless um, ends up in Roanaport yet again, uh, accompanied by another maid who's about his pretty much the same age as him, known as Fabiola Iglesias. Um, so Fabiola goes to like track him down, and then they yet again end up at that same at that poor bar, that same poor bar that keeps getting shot up. Lord have mercy on his insurance, praise be. And um, a group of thugs try to shake down Fabiola. And when suddenly she pulls out her big ass fucking guns. 
Yeah, those um, maid outfits are great for concealing big ass fucking weapons. Just like hammer, like there's hammer space behind that thing. Just oh, oh no, we're gonna fight. Say hello to my little friends. Like cartoonish style hammer space. Uh, but then I guess like Revy calls her on like that was the first time she ever had to use them. So anyway, um, so yeah, they find themselves in the presence of. I we haven't talked about this this character yet, but fucking Chang. Freaking Chang, man. Um, so Chang is part of the Hong Kong triad. Um he is um basically okay, so he is adept at dual wielding pistols, just like Revy. Um, and, uh, most of his backstory is kind of like a mystery to, to the extent, but we know that he may have been a cop back in, back in, back in China. Um, when good cops go bad, like they think he may have been like a, well, no, actually they think he might've been like a dirty cop. Uh, to begin with, um, but he claims to hate hypocrisy more than anything else, and he says that he has looked into the hearts of human beings and seen that there and seen things you can't even imagine. Uh, there is speculation that Chang left Hong Kong, the Hong Kong police force, because of corruption within the ranks. It is not known if Ranapur was Chang's original post or how long he has been in the city. Um, but he has fought uh, Balalaiko when Hotel Moscow came to the city in a battle so intense that it nearly destroyed everything. Honestly, I want to see that because if this were like a shonen or DBZ or like a shonen anime, I could understand how like a fight between two people could wreck a lot of shit. But this is just like guns and knives and shit. So I just want to see like how heavy was the... How heavy was the artillery they were using? Like, I mean, considering they both have enough, like, both of them run enough weapons to fund, like, an entire fucking country. I I'm, I just have, like, this crazy idea where it just first, like, starts as a shootout, and then you just see, like, Blackhawk helicopters and, like, with the missile salvos on them and just all this crazy shit just airborne shit just going on other fun side characters really quick are frederica who is the the girl that like talks through um yeah the the voice box yeah and she has like a affinity for chainsaws she's also known as sawyer the cleaner and then laden who like i swear to god he like <laughs> His entire look is, like, so, like... <laughs> okay, like, you know that you know that meme with that, that nerdy kid that's, like... That's, like, I trained by the sword, blah, 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 blah. Like, that's literally... That literally... It, he literally calls himself, like, Lawton the Wizard. It's just, like, are you fucking... He's such a weeb, is basically... The underground lets you give yourself, like, the whatever crazy, stupid fucking nickname you want. As long as you can... As long as you can back it up, like, you can call yourself whatever you want. Oh, for sure. Although he claims he is actually allergic to alcohol and does not drink. Um, but no, as much as I'm making fun of him, he's 
So there's fan speculation that he's pretty like he bears this pretty strong resemblance to Raiden of Metal Gear, um, as well as uh, Sakamoto from the series Gintama. And then his personality is kind of almost like a Shinubio, but way more violent. I get that. It's pretty funny. But anyway, back to Roberto's blood trail. It's called blood trail because Roberta is not the most diplomatic in her approach to finding this guy. And so whenever she goes somewhere like when, every town she goes to, to like on the looking for this guy she scares the bejesus out of half the population like to the point she's that they're just traumatized for a guy. she's 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 looking for a group of u.s mercenaries that killed that were responsible for the death of diego loveless she's okay. but she knows that garcia and then Garcia comes on his own to save her. He comes with Fabiola. Mm-hmm. And Lagoon Company basically just tags along. Yeah, they somehow get, like, super roped into this, and then Rock starts trying to make bets with Mr. Chang, and then uh, that's such a whole fucking rabbit okay, hole together. What? Okay, glad you brought that up. What the fuck happened with Rock? He goes from just, like... I'm... I am glad that Brad Swale played him because he was like light fucking Yagami. Like, oh, I am the mastermind behind this. Wave of my fingers, butterfly effect, and suddenly we're on a different continent. What the fuck? Okay, so a lot of important information is cut and changed in in order of scenes for dramatic emphasis. And then the OVA also removed some scenes that explained things like Chang and Balalaika's conversation about Gray Fox at the dock and why Chang asked Balalaika to avoid attacking them, but only to provide cover so they can escape and how she was indecisive, which is not present in the OVA, but only in pictures through Rock's flashbacks. And also a short conversation between Caxton and Dutch about Vietnam and Caxton's subsequent warning to Benny and Rock that Dutch is lying about his past. Like, all of that's, like, completely gone from the OVA. Yeah, I don't remember any of that. Um, which is really shitty, because that's a bunch of really interesting information. Um, so yeah, Rock goes a little cray-cray. Yeah, like, To say the least. He is really, like, abnormally dark in this in this uh arc just like he don't Um, give a shit so yeah encouraged by chang rock agrees to help locate roberta dutch however strongly urges him um to like get the fuck out of there should he be unable to locate roberta before the conflict with the united states escalates um Rock, accompanied by a Benny, takes takes Garcia and Fabiola along for a round of fruitless investigations, um, and then like Rock enlists Revy's help, who proves more successful than him in getting the town's phone to talk about Roberta's whereabouts. Um, and this is where his character development really shines, just because you it's a little bit 
there's a bit of a jump, but you also see just how comfortable he is just with this life of crime. Like there's there's zero hesitation with him at, with him now. Just letting just like he's letting it all hang out pretty much. He does not care. He he's embracing it and does not care very much anymore. Just okay, if I'm gonna do illegal shit, I'm gonna own it. I am not gonna he does not hesitate, he does he does not he just does it and just embraces the darkness. Yeah, he pretty much just like the, there's a point in which in the manga where he, he gets even darker and then like it, it to the point where like it like even scares Revy a little bit and she has to like kinda try to like snap him out of it. But anyway. Um, yeah. yeah, she she gets really mad at him at the end of this arc and like just like beats the crap out of him because she's so pissed at him because um, he's just like yeah well whatever I did what I had to do and she's like are you fucking kidding me like if it gets too extreme even for Revy you know it's some crazy shit oh yeah um but you 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 can tell that, that this is where a lot of fans speculate that like maybe Revy has like feelings for rock but she just can't express it in a normal way because of how fucked up her life is honestly i got that vibe too from this like she is way she's abnormally caring in this without like compared to other times i mean yes that rock is abnormally different here but at, at the same time she is showing a lot more of her more concern and and compassion than she usually did so yeah, I definitely um, see where people think there are feelings there. Um, and also, so speaking of like um, weird feelings, um, so it turns out Roberta is actually under the influence of a very strong stimulant um, that basically makes her go all batshit to the point where she like literally starts hallucinating. That's an actual <laughs> thing in the military, like the jerk, like. Like, in World War II, the Germans gave their soldiers, like, literal meth. Like, micro, like slightly above a microdose of meth to, like, keep them fighting on, on the, and fighting for days. It wasn't just the Germans. It was, like, all, it was like I know the Finnish did it. I know, pretty sure the Norwegians did it. The, but, yeah, that, yeah, that is not new for people in the military. Like, for those kind of stimulants, they have them and they use them. Well, not anymore, but... They, they were easy to come by if you were in the military. Um, and so Roberta c- continues her killing spree um, until uh, she comes across um, uh, Cuban special forces. Um, and she they've actually met before. I think that was the guy that like trained her. Mm-hmm. Um, and she attempts to seduce him and then basically gets the drop on him. But that was the, the belt that I mentioned, where she has like this pulls off, rips off her belt buckle, and has like four chambers in it, and she just empties them onto, empties them into his stomach. Um, and this part's really fucked up too, because it turns out like, like Garcia has been there the whole time, but she thinks he's a hallucination, and she almost tries to shoot him, but then the Americans in, intervene and and stop her. And he has, and Garcia has to. Not not watch, but at least listen to, like this beloved is this beloved person like 
what he thinks is like just throw her throw herself away, degrade herself into and just seduce and seducing this this officer, and it is just traumatizing to watch. Yeah, it's really gross. So next next bit of stuff is that um, the Lagoon Company catches up to what's going on, um, and then there's like a bunch of stuff with the Americans because now the Americans have Garcia, um, and then and then uh, Balalaika finally intervenes um, and tells the U.S. troops over the radio like where Roberta is. Um, Unfortunately, Revy gets, like, injured in this process. Um, and then fucking Etta <laughs> finally arrives, revealing that she had actually sold a large amount of supplies and tells Rock that he's going to have to call the, um, the, the call in the missing piece himself. And when he does, like, Dutch is, like, fucking furious. Like, absolutely furious, because he he knows what he... I, basically, Dutch kind of figures out, like... He calls Dutch, tells him about a job, and then Mr. Chang calls and tells him about a job to get the U.S. troops, like, out of out of the city. Um, yeah. But meanwhile, like, Balalaika is still kind of chasing them. It was sort of odd how they... With that, they sort of, like, became military subcontractors, like... Give these guys a ride, basically. Like, extract them give, and get them out of there. And it's just felt, it was just odd to see a mercenary company cooperating with, with military, of any military. Yeah, the whole part was just strange. Yeah. Um, I mean, not that it can, couldn't happen, it's just it never does. So then the final chapter ends with um, basically the Lagoon Company takes Garcia, Fabiola, and the military group led by Lieutenant Shane to the Golden Triangle. Um, and then there, like, there's like an ambush in the jungle um, that ends with um, Roberta and Garcia in kind of like a showdown. Um, and then they like shoot each other, essentially. Okay, and then... Basically, they, they they get into a um, into a game what they call Cambodian roulette. Yeah, I didn't. Um, I didn't understand what that was. Basically, as uh, there was no guarantee, Roberta wouldn't have killed him when she reflexively fired back. Okay, that sort of makes more sense. It's like a Mexican standoff. Okay, that that makes okay. And then uh, this all ends with one of the most awkward fucking resolutions ever yeah um basically to snap roberta out of her cray crayness uh garcia straight up like makes out with her yeah and while while she's like on her back bleeding out um and she kind i don't know this part is just so fucking weird and gross it's just like this is like okay. Let, let me get this straight. A fifteen-year-old boy just like passionately kisses an adult fucking woman. Yeah. What the fucking fuck? It was just odd. I mean, he couldn't have just like he couldn't have just like jumped on her and slapped her or something to snap her out of it. I I, I just I think 
it's hinted that they both have feelings for each other. Oh, it is more than hinted. Extremely disturbing. It is more than hinted. Yeah, it's like so, like, ugh, it's like so fucking disturbing to me. I can't even. Um, meanwhile, Etta contacts Langley back in America. Um, and back in Rwanda four months later, um, Chang had in fact uh, sent the Lagoon Company a bunch of bonuses for a job well done. Um, and then, like, Rock kind of, like, laments that, like, nothing's really changed. Um, and then that's kind of when, like, Revy, like, goes off on him and tells him that, like, look, like, if you continue down this path, like, bad shit's gonna happen. And then she gets really mad at him and beats the crap out of him. And then Rock's like, yeah, I really don't feel like going home and... Having to explain to my boss where I've been for the last several months or what I've been doing. Yeah. So I'll just stay here, I guess. And then Revy gets really mad at him for saying that. Because she's like, what are you talking about? You know she's secretly happy that he's staying. But that, but that's yes how she no. that's how she expresses love with her fists. I mean, like, yes and no. I think because, again, some other shit goes down in the manga and she like, she's genuine. She doesn't. She still sees him as, like, having a chance to live, like, a normal life, whereas for the rest of them, it's pretty much too late. And she doesn't want to see him corrupted like the rest of them. Honestly, after Roberta's blood trail, um, he is more than corrupted. He, after after all that, like, his whole, like, descent into darkness thing, yeah, he got out, but he's still there. Um, I mean... just, just, just read the manga, cause some shit happens. I'm gonna have to. I think it's, I think it's actually completed by now. How many volumes is it? About eleven volumes or so. Still ongoing though. April of, from two thousand two to present. But like, wait, how are there only eleven volumes if this has been That's going my on since question. since two thousand fucking two? They must be really thick volumes. Like, full, like, full-on, like, Scholastic Edition volumes. I mean, like, the copies that I, I mean, I, I get them, but they're, like, in a bunch of different boxes. Anyway, any other closing notes? The show was batshit. I liked it. It was a wild ride. Um, yeah. I'm still on the fence about like, do I love it enough to buy it? But oh, I yeah. don't know if Funimation still has their um, still has their. Um, they have the rights to it. No, I mean, like, I don't know if they still have their limited edition, which came in literally like like a bullet cartridge box, like an art, like an art, like like an artillery tackle box. It was pretty dope. I thought that was uh, I thought that was Gangsta or some some other show. Mm-mm. Oh, I know no. like some crime Mm-mm. show like that had did something Mm-mm. similar. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Okay, I'm thinking of something else then. I'm probably not thinking of anything, <laughs> but yeah, it literally comes in like an artillery, and, and it comes with like a dog tag, a lighter, uh, the three the, the three Blu-rays, and it comes in like a tackle box. But I think it's I think it's out of print. Like I think you can only get it like Blu-ray DVD combo pack or whatever. Yeah, I've only able to been able to find the 
they have, you can buy both. They have both seasons on one pack, and then the OVAs are separate, so it's not mm-hmm. a bank breaker. But yeah, it's it's good. But yeah, the original limited edition had three discs plus the OVAs, and it came in like a tackle box. And I wish I had bought it when it first came out, but I didn't. Sadly, I did looks, not. Looks like the edition reached its limits. Yeah. That was terrible. Oh, thank you. That that means the world to me. Like that that was legitimately like <laughs> hashed. I mean, okay, look. It wouldn't be Matt if it weren't like ninety percent cringe. Yeah, that is that is my brand. It's pretty much just his brand by now. It's just it's either cringe, cringe or hilarious. There's no in between. No, it's mostly just cringe. Well, yeah, it's mostly cringe, but if if it's not cringe, it's hilarious. It's hilariously cringy. Mm-hmm. That it is. Does that about wrap things up? I would say so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, thank you for joining us, son. But but really another... quick. Oh, sorry. Go we... ahead. Really quick. Well, okay. Actually, yeah. Like, thank thanks for tuning in. But um, next episode, I'm thinking you... we're just gonna continue on this like action packed thrill ride, and just watch another show about fucking gun runners, which is Jormungand. Um, which, you know, is one of Matt's favorite shows, and he better fucking take take fucking notes on this one. I will. Sometimes when I'm too enthralled in a show, I forget to take notes. Um, but also, like, this one also has, like, a pretty awesome soundtrack as well, and the dub Honestly, is also the, really the awesome. Opening, season one's opening song, song and, uh, and the Black Lagoons are actually pretty similar. Like they um, use the same like they use the same synthesizer. A little bit, a little bit. Like listen to them side by side, you'll hear it. I I I know I know they fucking use vocal processing and like vocal enhancements. Okay, I'm not fucking stupid. I'm just I just think they use them in slightly different ways. Like, my, my best friend's an audio engineer. I know these things. Okay. <laughs> anyway, the point is... Um, anyway, the point is, uh, we hope you, everyone's uh, at least had, you know... I don't want to say, like, a happy quarantine, but we hope everyone's still, you know, staying safe out there. And we hope that... Um, our our podcast has been able to help you get 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 through the uncertain time that we're facing right now of being cooped up in our in our houses. Idea for a for a drink. Throw whatever alcohol and whatever garnishes you have into a martini glass and call it a quarantini. <laughs> the uh, quarantini king's cup. Send us your quarantini recipes by following us on Twitter at Dubterfuge and tweeting at us. um, And yeah, so if you ever want to get a hold of us, uh, please please feel free to tweet at us at Dubterfuge on Twitter or uh, shoot us an email at uh, Dubterfuge at gmail.com. You can also Um, follow us on our personal uh, socials. I'm at Matthew H. Voss on Twitter. 
I am. I can be found on Twitter at lunatic, which is capital L three O's, N A H T I C. Um. Good night and good luck. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Edward R. Luna, uh, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. These are our thank you these for, are our brains on quarantine. Yes. We're we're just gonna close this out now before like it gets worse. <laughs> exactly. So thank you. Good night. Good luck. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Hug Maybe people from a distance. Yes. S- s- remain at least six feet apart. Alrighty then. We will see you all next time. Thank you. Later. Dubterfuge is produced and distributed by Shway Media. The show is created and is hosted by Stella Luna and Matt Voss. The show is edited and mixed by Tim Phillippe. The show's theme song is Giraffes by Harrison Amer. If you'd like to help people find the show, please be sure to leave a five-star rating in iTunes. Believe it or not, it goes a long way in helping the show get seen and heard. You can also reach out to Luna and Matt with any questions or comments on Twitter and Facebook at Deptrifuge or at Deptrifuge at gmail.com. For more information, visit Deptrifuge.com and ShwayMedia.com. <laughs>